the 910 Comedy Podcast Network. This week's episode of Hometown Crowd, friend and fellow Cleveland native Clint Naramore joins us to talk about the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary, Believe Lit. We also talk about the new proposal from the Major League Baseball owners, the NBA's superstar push to restart the season, and the newly released NFL schedule. Get on your feet, you're cheering with the Hometown Crowd. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of Hometown Crowd, your source for sports news across the country and in our backyards of Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'm one of your hosts, Tim Dipple. What's up, everybody? It's Mac. And I am Heather, still waiting for Jesus to take the wheel and just drive us right off a cliff, Lewis. Yes. Uh, Heather, I'm going to second you on that one. Yes. Yes. Be sure to follow us on all social media at Hometown Crowd on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also email us at hometowncrowdpod at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to our show anywhere you find your podcast. And if you're an Apple subscriber, we would love a five-star review. If you leave us a review, we will read it on the next episode. And we do have one this week. Uh, Chief Keith says, five stars. Caught my second episode this week, episode 32. And really enjoyed the interview with Matt, the Woodpecker's new play-by-play announcer. Learned some new things and enjoyed the fun time they had talking with each other. So thanks, Keith. Yes, thank you, Keith. Thank you. Joining us tonight is former assistant general manager for the Fayetteville Swamp Dogs and program director for KDMA and KMGM in Montevideo, Minnesota, Clint Naramore. Clint, how you doing today? I'm good. It's uh, Montevideo. Montevideo. Okay, I figured it was more of the Spanish pronunciation, but it is. Quit trying to church it up, Tim. Damn. Yeah, dude. Like Tim, um, he's in Minnesota. Okay. That's that's fair. (laughs) That's fair. So, Clint, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um. Well, I spent five years in count. Oh wait, 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 wait. No, that's not a. No, that's my uncle. Um, Anyway. Wrong intro. Yeah. Um, hi, my name is Clint. I'm gonna no, wait, wait, wait. No, that's not it. That's not it. Oh, no, uh, all seriousness, I spent some time in the Marines, so there's my actual five years, and been doing radio and sports for probably the last decade or so. And now I call this lovely tropical paradise in Minnesota home. Well, thanks for joining us. How yes, about thanks, uh, Mac and Heather? How are you guys doing this week? Uh, I'm okay. Um, you know, I'm enjoying the small break before I take my last class, before I, you know, graduate finally, and then I go out into the workforce during a pandemic. Yay for Yay. me! <laughs> he picked a heck of a week to quit drinking. No, yeah, except I didn't. Thank you, Sailor Jerry. Heather, what about you? Uh, being reminded of why there will be no more children ever because of the puppy. <laughs> sleep deprivation and the urination and everything that puppies do just is it's a lot and i forgot yeah we we adopted a full-size dog who has decided that my wife gets her half of the bed and then he gets half of my half mm, yeah uh. see nope 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 see the puppy uh is in the kennel no there will be no sleeping in the bed nope <laughs> So, 
But we do have some topics for tonight. There's been some actual big news this week. Uh, Major League Baseball's team owners have put forth a proposal that would start the season around the 4th of July. Um, it would be an 82 game season with teams playing division rivals and close interleague teams. So, you know, you probably see, uh, Cleveland play Cincinnati and stuff like that. Probably both Chicago's. Well, it's, uh, uh, from what I, from what I read, it was supposed to be, uh, like NL central play AL central. Right. Yep. Um, they play in the home stadiums without fans. The interesting thing is Toronto may be forced to play in Florida. Bullshit. Bullshit. Uh, just because there isn't any, uh, international travel right now. I feel like he's got some thoughts on that. Yeah. I I just, the thing is, is, uh, you know, we're all old enough to remember that every league with the ex- well, not, you can't even say with the exception of the NFL. Every league has tried to either one expand into Canada, or or host games in Canada. Don't format a plan if it's going to leave one of your teams out. Like honestly, because where Toronto's going to have to share space either in if they're playing in Florida, uh, you know, either in Tampa, which we all know is it just a shit stadium, or they're going to play in Marlins Park, right? Right. You know, yeah, and and. You're 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 gonna have to schedule 82 games uh, to factor in two teams in one location. So I mean that that is gonna be problematic in itself. Um, well, I feel like there there could be options with spring training fields and stuff. Yeah, but I mean, even though there's not gonna be any fans present, you really think Major League Baseball is gonna shoot for optics? You know, I mean this is this is Rob Manfred who has literally decided that it's a, a lot like whose line is it anyway. Um, here's the game and the rules don't apply. We're just going to make shit up as we go. Um, so, Oh, and uh, also uh, the points don't matter. Don't yeah, the points. That. Yeah. I mean, the big part of it. The only thing that I've really enjoyed uh, hearing about is the universal DH. Um, yeah. I'm over having the pitcher hit. Yeah. Clint, what are your thoughts on it? <laughs> well, I, I think that there's going to be certain teams that have the advantage, you know, Kansas City, Cleveland, Tampa, Pittsburgh, because they're used to playing in front of no fans. Um, <laughs> so there's that. Um, I'm actually, I, I, you know, I, I'm I'm anti DH, but I'll take the DH if it means we get baseball back quicker. And from what I understand, the players are supposed to unanimously approve the DH rule or the lack of DH rule. Um, whatever they decide, you know, the biggest thing that's holding it up now from what I was hearing today and talking to a couple people I know is going to be the 50, 50 split, how they're going to do that. So they have not even began to dig into the economics of this whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, I, Clint, I think that's going to be the biggest thing is because the players aren't going to budge. Um, and if they're smart, they won't because I think, uh, you know, as well as I do, if you give the owners an inch, they're going to take the mile. So, um, yeah, but I, I, I'm also to the opinion of the players want full salaries for games that they're not going to play. I, if I don't go to work, I don't get paid whether it's a shutdown or not. People are getting uh furloughed all the time. They're not getting their paycheck. Sorry that you're not getting your 19 million this year. You're only getting 16 million. I, I'm really not going to boohoo 
over a player's losing a couple million dollars because the season got cut in half. Sorry about your luck. There are people that are not getting paid at all right now. So stop your whining. Let's get this thing approved and let's get on the field. See, I'm I'm of the opposite mind. Uh, you know, I just think that it took how many years for these guys to have the ability to collectively bargain and negotiate their own contracts. Um, and Major League Baseball, probably even more so than hockey, has had ownership that has, um, you know, fudged numbers in order to maintain their team. I mean, look at uh, Frank McCourt, what he did to, you know, to buy the Dodgers. The man was literally worth nothing. You know, he had nothing in the bank, but he owned a shit ton of parking lots in Boston, and he turned that into ownership of the L.A. Dodgers. Um, you know, if these guys can't afford to pay the players that they set the market for, uh, you know, they opt to pay these guys that amount, then don't own a team. Um, but they're paying for – I'm not going to pay you for a service that you have not been able to perform, number one. Number two, yeah, you're right, the collecting bargaining agreement and the players' union everything, you know, got started in the 70s. But at the same time, the fact that – let's be honest, the fact that baseball doesn't have a salary cap is the biggest cancer in all of sports because – You've got rich teams, you've got poor teams, and you've got dirt poor teams, and then you've got players that are getting suspended every year because there's no salary cap. So I'm going to earn that extra $15 million by um, shooting up with all kinds of juice. And it's sorry, I, I think that baseball should be there should be a salary cap. Oh, I, I agree with you on that, but the the you know that's not the 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 fiscal metrics of the game now. And how many of these team owners actually own their stadiums? So they're not just dependent on, um, you know, gate receipts. They have concerts there. Uh, you know, there's other events. They get the bulk of the merchandise sales, you know. So, I mean, the owners are making money throughout the year when we buy a hat or a jersey or any kind of licensed merchandise. You know, the players get a cut. Um but it's like, say, merchandise. Like, is it? Is it, I don't. I don't know what the the actual split is with Major League Baseball. Uh, Clint, do you know what it is? Like, as far as the revenue, I don't. But at the same time, let's be honest. When these guys signed a contract, you sign a contract that you're going to get paid X amount per game. It's a yearly salary, but you're yeah. you know it breaks down to per game and. You know, the owners rely heavily on the TV contracts, which you're not getting if there's no games, gate receipts, which you're not getting if there's no games, parking, you're not getting if there's no games. Yeah, there's merchandise that's still being sold, but let's be honest, is it as much merchandise as would normally be sold if you've got 10,000 people in the ballpark? Hey, listen, don't talk bad about Cleveland like that, okay? We're typically... Uh, <laughs> you should be used to it. Why are you taking offense to it? I don't think that MLB has a revenue sharing currently because uh, the article I'm reading on CNBC says the last time they attempted a revenue sharing system uh, was what led to the 94 strike. And th that's what I'm afraid is going to happen. They're not going to approve. The players are going to be like, no, we want this. And it's going to turn into 1994 all over again. And at the end of the day, nobody won in 1994. No, nobody did. I mean, dude, it, I mean, it, look, look at what it did to Montreal. Like, literally, it, when it torpedoed the 94 season, it ruined baseball in Montreal. Like, it, Montreal was the best team in the league in 94 when the strike hit. They were know? fun to watch, too. Oh, with just look, the personalities, dude, uh, you know, Larry Walker, Pedro Martinez, um, 
Uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, that was the year the Pedro threw his no-no, wasn't it? I believe so, yes. And then, like, honestly, three weeks later, that, that the season ended. Well, look, in 1994, Tony Gwynn was on pace to hit 400. Mm-hmm. May he rest in peace. I think yeah, today or yesterday would have been Tony Gwynn's 60th birthday, by the way. Yeah, yeah, Tony Yeah, I Gwynn. think I saw that. I think it was yes, it was either yesterday or the day before, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's... It's crazy when you think about the what ifs about '94, uh, you know, honestly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think the players want to get on the field, um, but I also think that they realize that when games start, you know, those teams are going to reap the benefits of of the the TV deals, you know, whether they're local mm-hmm. or or, or uh, you know national or whatever whatever the hell it is, you know, um, you know, so. I don't know. Like, I want to see games. I, I also don't want to see any more power put in the hands of owners. Um, you know, I, I just, especially in baseball, you know, like Clint was saying, the lack of a, a, a salary cap has, has made you have the haves, the have-nots, and then the have-not-nots, you know? <laughs> so. <laughs> well, other that's players, you, That's how you are, get Paul DiBattista running the Browns. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> well, other players that are anxious to get back in the game are in the NBA, where most of your superstars have formed kind of a coalition to kind of push for the league to restart. Um, you've got LeBron, Anthony Davis, KD, Giannis, Kawhi, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, and Russell Westbrook, who participated in a conference call on Monday to hopefully nudge the league towards restarting. Why on earth would Steph Curry want the season to restart? The Golden State Warriors are sitting there with the worst record in the league and have the number one ticket in their back pocket. If he's healthy, they're going to start winning games uh, to close out that season. They're going to lose their draft position. If you're Steph Curry, you do not want the season to restart. You want this thing to cancel and to be sitting there with the prime position for the lottery. Yeah, but I mean, do you really think that they'd start the season and play more regular season games? I, I think maybe they just jump into a playoff. Um, because you got to think if, if, you know, say major league baseball is going to kick off early July. Right. I I imagine the NBA would probably follow suit. Uh, you know, same rules, no fans, you know, uh, controlled access, all that stuff because their season kicks off in November, you know, late October, early November. So they're going to need some time to, excuse me, um, you know, to recover. So I I guess just jumping into a playoff rather than, than playing more regular season games. I buy that too, and I'm wondering what they're going to do with the uh, draft lottery and the draft. Are they going to have that during the playoffs? I mean, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I mean that. Uh, I, you know, we we've talked about Adam Silver before, and Heather. I don't mean to bore you. She's listened to me talk about Adam Silver before. Yeah, ad nauseum. Yeah, really. uh, but I think but. Adam Silver is probably the most uh, prepared commissioner for the Big Four we have right now in dealing with, um, you know. The, the modern day uh, economics and issues with sports now. And I could see him doing that. Cause can you imagine that though, Clint? Like you kick off with a, like what, however many team playoff and then you like on like one, uh, a travel day, you have the NBA draft, you know, like that would be fucking phenomenal. <laughs> it would make Speaking- sense. And you, it would make sense. And also you mentioned the guys that are excited to get uh, the season going on. You, of course, Giannis and LeBron and Kate, or um, 
not Durant, but 80. Um, D- D- yeah, 80. They're going to want this to get going because the Lakers and the Bucks were primed with the top two positions in the East and West. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and let's face it, you know, LeBron wants to get through this. Like, he wants to play in the playoffs with the Lakers right now to kind of justify his move out there, especially after last season, you know? Um, you know, the, the Lakers had a big turnaround. I was one of those guys that said their bench, I don't know, I wasn't very sure about their bench. Um, you know, and it's, it's supported that team, you know, uh, it's, it's pretty LeBron and AD heavy, but you know, there's a reason they were humming before all this shit hit, you know? And I think the last time Milwaukee made the finals was in the seventies. Yeah. That's when, uh, Kareem was still Lou Alcindor. So, <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's turn to something that might interest Heather a little bit more. Uh, last week, the NFL released their schedules. Assuming the season starts on time, uh, we are going to get, I think, the first games around September 10th or 12th. Uh, I've got it, yeah. And that would be Houston traveling to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs, the mm. reigning Super Bowl champions. Uh, there's a lot of divisional matchups in week one, which kind of surprised me. Why? I mean, yeah, because if they have to go to a truncated schedule, you want division matchups early. Yeah, you want, yeah, exactly. Or, or if, say, like there is another outbreak or whatever that happens, you want to try to get those divisional matchups in as, mm. you know, as many as you can get in as soon as you can. So that way, like it helps later well, on. The, the biggest one and the most interesting matchup is Tampa Bay with Tom Brady making his debut in New Orleans against Drew Brees. I'm sure the few Bucks fans would be Tampa Bay, sir. You <laughs> already I mispronounced don't... it. No, he didn't. <laughs> I want to know who was drunk when they made the schedule for Miami and the Jets to play each other in back-to-back weeks. Yeah, with a bye week for each of them in between. Well, I mean, that's the thing, though. They don't even use a person anymore. It's literally uh, an algorithm that they plug data into, and it spits it out. So so yeah. what, what stands out to you guys on the schedule? Well, something that I find really interesting that I was reading about was that um, that apparently the most anticipated ticket right now uh, for... Uh, the NFL is not a Tom Brady Drew Brees matchup. It is actually New Orleans playing the Las Vegas Raiders in Week Two. I mean that that checks out. Uh, uh, Heather, is that game at uh, in Vegas? Yes, it's in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. So God, I'm, Lord knows that Saints fans need any reason at all to go to Vegas. But here we are, and according to uh, site data from Vivid Seats, that the Saints-Raiders is the most trafficked game across the site. Well, is that the debut for them in Vegas? No, that's their week two. Right, but where do they play week one? Uh, I don't know if they play week one. I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie, guys. Uh, I think the Raiders, although they have a huge fan base, uh, both in L.A. and Oakland to this day for whatever reason, um, I think they're going to have... Uh, you they're know, I think in it, Carolina week one. Okay, but I, I really think the Raiders yeah. are, are going to have issues um, 
with, I mean, Vegas is a you know pretty transient kind of town. You get people from everywhere that go there. Yeah. Um, so you could probably see huge chunks of that stadium in enemy colors. You know. <laughs> How would that be different from when they were in Oakland? I mean, no, <laughs> man. But dude, Oakland, you still had the black hole, which was still solidly, you know, black and silver. Um, and like I, dude, you know as well as I do, they they have a stupid following. I don't get how you have big followings in two cities that you abandoned at one point, you know, like it just, have you ever met anybody from Oakland or Los Angeles? Yes. One of my best friends is from Oakland. He's been a lifelong Raiders fan and he's almost as old as I am. Oh, I'm sure he probably looks every year of it too, that he's been in a Raiders No, the fan. reason I, I'm thinking it's a big ticket game. It's the first game that's first regular season game in that brand new stadium. First regular season game in yep. the city of Las Vegas. It's a it's an elite matchup against the Saints. And I'll tell you what, Drew Brees is going to come in there and he's going to no terrible uh, Chucky impression, but <laughs> um, no, it, it's it's their first game in Vegas. It's you know only the second pro team in the city of Las yep. Vegas. And the Golden Knights when they had their inaugural season. It was a standing room only every single night. It's gonna be mm-hmm. the same because it's a. I was multi- about to say they had a lot of support. Yeah, but which don't you? But what's go ahead? Go no, ahead I'm sorry. There. Well, go no. Ahead. What I was gonna say is what's it, and I and I have a feeling it's because they are so new that this for for this coming season that the Raiders currently have the most expensive ticket prices. Well, it's Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. So their average ticket cost right now is eleven hundred dollars. I believe it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's I mean, Vegas. What? You've got the Saints coming in. You've got the Chiefs coming in. You get the Broncos coming in. Oh yeah, they're going to be yeah. making hand over fist yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I was going to say though is that Vegas was so successful that first season. That that is a a Golden Knights town um, right now. Uh, because like even after that first season, attendance didn't really drop much. Um, and I think no, they lot- went to the Stanley Cup in their inaugural season. Yeah. Uh, well, that was because it was basically handed to them. Oh, stop it! Oh, Damn. come on! I did have a collection of Golden Knight wine, thank you, courtesy of my stepdad. <laughs> so from no, that, but season, like, so. I think a lot of it, putting asses in seats, a lot of it had to do with affordable ticket prices. The NHL does have expensive tickets. Every league has those, but. You know, it's if you're talking big four, it's number four, you know, um, so it's it's more affordable to get to those games. And when you have success like that and, and granted, they, they did go to Stanley Cup, they didn't win, but they've been a pretty solid team since they debuted. Yeah, because um, they, they got a great goalie in the um, yeah, in their expansion, the expansion draft. And, yeah. yeah. And then you, you look at the fucking Raiders who have been in a rebuild for the last 15 years. So. Well, uh, that that's all the news that I have this week, unless anybody else has any news to add. Did any of you get to watch the fight on Saturday? Um, I was happy Justin Gathjay finally got some gold. Um, I thought it was in poor taste that Connor decided to fucking pipe up. Um, of course, you know, the of guy, course he did. The, the guy who wins belts and never defends them. Um, you know, I just... Uh, well, and and you know what though? Good on Greg Hardy too. Came in showing up for the fight because DeCastro sure shit didn't. I, I will never say good on Greg Hardy for anything because he's a well. He likes to abuse women. So well, I mean, yeah, but at least he's 
abusing grown men this time and yeah now <laughs> he actually did it or just homeboy was just like yeah nah. I mean, there's a fight card on tonight um i mean dana white is gonna make sure he's got people out there to on, i mean honestly he has to put on 42 events a year in order to make that espn money he's do you not- know how many people bought that fight no, I didn't even see the paper. You know, it was like seven hundred and sixty thousand people. Yeah, it was the first live sporting event in like six months. I mean, I'm ready to watch NASCAR on Sunday. Well, it's I, a, I had and, that thought earlier today. Now, too. now, see, this this is this is what I'm going to bring up, Heather. Right now, your 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 good fights break a million buys. Mm-hmm. This is the first sporting event we've had in what months? You know, yeah. two yeah. months, two and a half months, mm-hmm. and it still could break a million. Oh yeah. Um, and, and I think White is going to have issues with that going forward because he's going to keep putting cards out every two to three weeks, and it's going to dilute an already diluted product. Mm-hmm. Um, I love watching fights, you know, for me. But if you just get the person that's like, well, I'm going to get the pay-per-view when somebody big fights, you know, he does, White doesn't have that option right now. Like, he has to get 42 events out before the end of the calendar year, you know? I'm just uh, wondering how, like, how like if for the people watching it how they felt about there not being a crowd there because you know like james and i've been watching wrestling this whole time yeah. where there hasn't been a crowd so that's what we're used to we're used to that but we so one thing we noticed with the fights was that like you could hear the punches landing. oh yeah yeah and you could hear the coaches you know in the corners or whatever shouting shit out and yeah and you can't hear that normally because of the crowd well, because I mean, some of those kicks and punches that were landing, we were like, oh, God, he's dead. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw a lot of fans on Twitter that were, you know, pretty torn. It was like 50-50 that enjoyed it without the, the fans there. And the other 50% was just like, no, we need people there. Because uh, mm-hmm. part of the fun is when, you know, those big punches or kicks lands is the, the pop from the it, or, Yeah, is the reaction. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, Dana's. Dana's going to do whatever he can to make money. Dana's mm-hmm. going to do whatever he can to make money. You know, and good on him. I just hope these fighters don't get sick because, I mean, Sousa had to drop out. One did. Yeah, One did. He tested positive right before yeah. and he had to Dakari withdraw Sousa, from it. You know, yeah. had, to, had to drop out. So, I mean, you you, you got to be able to balance it. Hopefully Dana, you know, can do that. Well, let's dive into the uh, main conversation for tonight and the reason we brought Clint on. Uh, As many of our listeners know, we have been looking for topics to cover while we've been without sports for the last couple of months. And we've been diving into the ESPN 30 for 30s. And this week we watched Believeland, uh, the story of Cleveland's misery when it comes to sports and something that... You know, two of our hosts and our guests have lived for our entire lives uh, growing up in Northeast Ohio and (laughs) cheering on what has been some quality teams that have just managed to throw it all away. Let's face it. We've managed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory multiple times. That is our motto. Yes. Yeah. That and waiting. Wait till next year. Yeah. Next year's uh, our year. There's, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. what I love about the Believeland documentary, though, is if you remember, it first debuted in May of 2016. And it's the only 30 for 30 to date that they had to go back and change. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was actually March. But yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, no, it, it debuted the night that Stipe Miocic won his first title in May. Yeah. OK. Uh, I thought I thought I had seen March, but I could be wrong. Uh, I stand corrected. 
Yeah, they went back and edited it because, you know, less than a month later, the Cavs actually won. Yeah, I I learned quite a few things from watching it. And I watched it very begrudgingly, but I did. You learned why we drink? Um, I did. did. No, if you you remember, that was... We we drink in Northeast Ohio because there's snow on the ground eight months out of the year, okay? Exactly, you need to keep warm. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) That's very true. And if you remember, that was a fun time because, you know, you had the, the Believeland documentary... And then Stipe wins the UFC Heavyweight Championship. The Lake Erie Monsters win the AHL Championship. And then Cleveland was title town for like four months. So the the Lord smiled upon you. The Cavs pull out their first major championship. And then we almost had the Indians that year, too. Oh. Well, yeah, and if you look back, it's because the city of Cleveland hosted the Republican National Convention that year. So God had to give us something. (laughs) (laughs) i i am fully of the belief okay that the reason the indians made it as far as they did was uh, was because of the cash championship because if you remember that was the year that we had the what was it 21 or 22 game win streak no that was 14 because 22 or 22 came the year afterwards no it was 2016 2016 it was the world. Series I was here. in Fayetteville when they did the 21. Uh, I will lay money that they did the 22 game winning oh. streak. Do you and, need a commissioner? Please. I will Google this right now. Please. In 2017, they for? did the 20. Um, the Indians uh, 22 game winning streak was in 2017. And you could look up the months. It was uh, September is when it ended at 2017. Oh, he's and, right. It was tw- yeah, 2017. 2016, 2016 was another a, big one. It was uh, 14, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. All right. But hey, that Clint, started... Just give me your PayPal, and I'll, I'll, I'll send at least a dollar. You but, guys got to remember, my point I can was, tell you though, every World that, Series. My point was, though, that that 14-game win streak started like two or three days before we won Game 7. Yep. And I, I really do feel like the Indians rode the momentum of that town all the way to extra innings of Game 7 in the World Series. I mean, honestly, I'm going to go ahead and just give Tito a pat on the back for managing, uh, you know, the starters that we had with the relievers. And just we, we had some we played good ball in 2016. Like we, we didn't lose the games. You know, we won the games we should have. Uh, we we beat some teams we shouldn't have, and then we got fucked with a rain delay in Game Seven. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say. I'm gonna uh, be the. I'm gonna make the most unpopular opinion in here. Corey Kluber is the worst playoff pitcher I've ever seen in my entire existence. Ever. There's a there's a guy named Clayton Kershaw who doesn't do well in the playoffs either. That's true. However, <laughs> comma, Corey Kluber, if you remember in games four and seven got, or I'm sorry, game seven for sure, but it might've been yeah. game four, four. He didn't do too well in the following year. If you start game seven of the night of the 2016 series, and then you look at games one and game five of the division series against the Yankees the following year, and then what he did against the Astros in 2018, his ERA was somewhere around the neighborhood of nine. Yeah. I mean, but who, I mean, honestly, in 2016, Clint, who are you putting out on game seven? 
Oh, I, I, you know, in hindsight, yeah, that's what you do. But, um, I would have pulled him a lot sooner than, than they did. Yeah. Um, I mean, dude, I'll give you that. Tim and I watched every world series game together that year. Mm-hmm. Um, we met at Bubba's every game night. Um, and I, I, I want to go out and head it, you know, ahead and get this recorded. Karen, I thank you for letting me borrow him for <laughs> 10 days. I appreciate it. Karen you. is a saint. Karen. She is. Number two fan is awesome. Is. And we love but, her. But Tim and I were out there every night. Uh, our our buddy Ben, who we take in small doses because he's just obnoxious sometimes, uh, was out there for, I think, five of those games, Tim? Something like. Yeah, uh, because he was in a nursing program, so he's actually doing something. Mm. Um, but, yeah, man, I just I, I just I look at that year, man, and I'm like, who else do you throw out there game seven? You know, like, the, the, the other starters, you know, I mean... <sighs> I don't know, man. I, I agree with you. Kluber, Kluber in the playoffs is nowhere near as strong as Kluber in the regular season. Um, but, I mean, it's game seven, man, and you've got this bullpen that's just been pretty lights out to that point. You know, all you need is four innings out of the guy, and, and we've shown that we can – you give us four, the relievers can get you the, the other five, you know. And I honestly think we had all that momentum going into that rain delay. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, uh, Rashad Davis, uh, you know, played in those runs. And then um, I'm getting a bit nostalgic here, Clint, bear with me. But, like, we were we were in this corner table at Bubba's, and we had the game on one TV and then the radar feed on the other. <laughs> and you just see this, this sea of green and yellow and red bearing down at, like, a bajillion miles per hour towards... Uh, you know, J- Jacob's field. I'll never call it progressive. It's always going to be the Jake. Oh, yeah. And then and then Tim and I looked at each other dead ass in the face. And we're like, well, this is it. This is yeah. it. Well, we've yeah. gotten a little bit off topic, though. Let's bring yes. it back to the documentary. Okay. I, I uh, apologize, guys. I apologize. Heather, what were your thoughts? I'm most interested to hear your thoughts because the three of us have lived this. So, um, well, the the first uh <laughs> The, the the first of it, um, honestly, was was uh, was empathy. I did feel a little bit of empathy because I know what it's like to have a shitty team for a long time that does nothing, and then yeah. But you do know, you know what it's like to have shitty teams? No, for a no, long time. <laughs> no, no, because you know, at least with LSU, like there's little glimmers of hope in there. You to know, to be fair, we have had we had Ohio State, but we you can't did. claim you that did. they're halfway down the so, state. So yeah, so I did. I did I did have a little bit of empathy for you guys on that because I do like as a New Orleans fan, like I've I've been there. Y'all I don't I don't think y'all went as far as the bagheads though. Oh well we invented that. <laughs> yeah. I mean I mean the the kicker is is uh, Heather, what year did the Saints come uh, enter the league? It was like late 76? It was late 60s. Oh, it was 60s. Mm-hmm. It was late 60s, yeah. Was it? Because I want to say they came in the same year as the Buccaneers, didn't they? Um, I'll double check that. But anyway, so, but anyways, I, I did find it very, very yeah. interesting. All right, you're, I, you're right, Heather. It was 67. But they, yeah. they, they hit the epitome of shit uh, probably, what, the early 80s, right? It just, if I remember it, correctly, yeah, that's no, nothing was yeah. going well. 
And that was uh, literally at the start of the Cardiac Kids kind of run for the Browns. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I did, and I do applaud your loyalty. <laughs> especially for, you know, because I, I about, especially about it being a generational thing. So yeah. I, 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 got I actually told Karen, who actually sat down to watch this with me, mm-hmm. uh, I joked that this is the, the, the most educational 80 minutes in terms of who I am as a person that she yeah, has experienced in any that. one yeah. gap of 80 yeah, 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 minutes yeah, yeah, yeah. in our well, relationship. But well, I told so- her that watching this, she knows I could never cheat on her. Because if I show that level of loyalty to my sports teams and they treat yeah. me like that. You're um, right. You're right. Uh, well, Tim, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I tell my kids daily um, that I love you and you're the best thing that ever happened to me. But remember, the Cavs, the Indians, the Buckeyes were here before you were, and they're going to be here <laughs> after you leave. So I love them more than I love you. So, <laughs> of course you would. Yeah. Um, but no, Heather, you, you said it best. It's a generational thing. And Scott having Scott Robb involved uh, in, in that entire documentary was amazing. Yeah. And watching him, this lifelong Cleveland fan, and his son, mm-hmm. who went to Glenville, um, you know, having them share those those moments and talk. And the thing is, Rob, they didn't just talk to Rob about the tribe. You know, he talked about the Cavs and the tribe and the Browns. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, it, yeah. it was he, the full gamut. And you watch him at some of these spots that I've actually like went and ate, you know, eaten at when I'm fucking smashed. Um, you know, like it just, it, it was really nostalgic for me. And I, I really liked that part because Scott Robb is one of my favorite writers overall. Um, and he just doesn't write about sports. He writes about everything. Um, but I mean, it's just, it was great. Uh, but well, Heather. Well, I, I did make a top 10 list of sports things that don't suck in Cleveland because of this. Okay. So, uh, at number one, I had the 2016 Cavs. Obviously. Of okay. course. At Stipe, number, Stipe better be number two. Stipe better be number two. At number two, I had Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gargano. He's from Cleveland. He it is. Really got some thoughts oh, I, I, I've refereed it for him a, a dozen times. I mean, I remember hey, when he was back in the Indies, so yeah. Okay. Anyways, is that still better than Stipe though winning the UFC heavyweight title? I yeah. Uh, at number three, I have the 1946 to 1950 Cleveland Browns. I do have them. I also at number four, I have the 1989 Cleveland Indians. And I'm they gonna lost wait a hundred games. Yeah, why are no. they on there? No, I'm talking about a major league. <laughs> I was waiting for the punchline there. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, at number at number five, I have Bone Thugs and Harmony because they're from Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and uh, that's where the list ends. I uh, couldn't make it to ten. <laughs> How do you not have Slimans on there? I. Or- yep. Mm-mm. Or even then, you, you she missed Stipe, uh, Eddie Money uh, didn't make it, Halle Berry didn't make it on there. I mean, you know, I almost put Arsenio Hall. I did. Arsenio Hall is a treasure. I'm sure, yeah, okay. All right, let me finish, let me finish her list. I'm going to go non-sports things. All right, Steve's Luncheon, Steve's Hot Dogs, uh, Slimans, they have the best corned beef sandwiches you'll ever have, Paninis. I don't like, I don't like corned beef, so, eh. Yeah, but Paninis, yeah, Clint, I'm with you on that one. I miss Paninis every day. 
Oh my god, their corned beef and and pastrami with fries and coleslaw. I don't know what it is with you and corned beef, man. But all right, Slimans is a religious experience. Uh, I know. I've eaten almost everything on the menu except corned beef. I hate corned beef. <laughs> smells like dog food. No, thank you. What else would you add there, Clint? Uh, well, let's see. What am I on? Um, how about Jim Brown? He didn't suck. Oh, Jim Brown? Yeah. Arguably. Wait, that's, the one, that's the one who the team is named after, right? No, no that was Paul Brown. Brown. Damn it. Damn it. Uh, but, I mean, Art Modell... Uh, may he burn in hell. Yes, uh, I, I got that. And and I learned why you, why you hate uh, the yeah. Ravens so much. I did get that. I, did I mean, it makes that. sense now. It makes now, sense now. Yes, it does if, make sense. If we, if we can get into um, just the story part of it, I loved how he brought on um, Mike Golick. And mm-hmm. I think he, he probably should have pushed more to have the entire Golick clan on there because they are still based out of Northeast Ohio. Um, I loved Ernest Biner. Um, you know, my mom. Oh my man. God. He broke my heart when he was talking. Yeah. My mom was at the game where you had the, fight. my grandmother was too. Oh my God. He broke my heart Yeah, because he, he still gets choked up about it. Go ahead. Fun Clint. fact. Fun fact. Uh, he is an East Carolina product and his sister has Fayetteville ties. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So how do we get him on the show? Yeah, right. <laughs> he's active on social media. Yeah, dude, Ernest Biner is might be out of the the entire. Oh my god, listen, our teams. listen. If we were to get him, y'all, you two both know I would be the one asking him questions because you two would be fangirling over him. I'm not or- a Browns fan. I just appreciate his whole body of work. Uh, yeah, I mean, Mac is a Patriots fan. That's true. Uh, I mean, fair yeah. enough. Yes, but, oh, no, I, but like, I would think you being a Cleveland fan. Anybody, anybody who doesn't see, um, and I, I know there are players tied to cities. There are, you know, and Heather, your case, Breeze is a New Orleans guy, even though he's a Purdue product, uh, and I have no idea where he's from originally. Um, but you know, he's a New Orleans guy. He's going to be part of the cultural fabric of New Orleans uh, forever. Also, like, you know, NCAA champion Joe Burrow. Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, the, the same, you know, like the, these guys are part of the cultural fabric of those areas now. Um, but after all the years that the Browns have been an active participant in professional football throughout all the leagues they played in, um, and this is just my opinion, and you guys can disagree, but you have two guys that literally threw out everything they could for the city of Cleveland. And that was Jim Brown and Ernest Biner. Yeah. Um, How can you forget number 19? Bernie Kozar. Uh, yeah, well, Bernie... He manipulated the 1985 supplemental draft to go to Cleveland. Yes, after turning <laughs> after turning down a... Well, a smartly turning down a USFL contract. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it's still... I, you know, Biner overall had a better career than Kozar did. Um, you know, when he, when he left Cleveland, he had good years in Washington and Baltimore. Um you know, but Biner was a guy who for years was shit on, uh, you know, about the fumble. But people, re- you know, forget that he put up like 200 total yards that game. Yeah. Um, you know, he did everything he could. He carried that offense. You know, I and, think and- my favorite part of the documentary, though, was they talked about 
all the good that Art Modell did over the what 30 year 30 plus years he had the team uh everything he was the savior of the city he was the savior of the city and it doesn't fucking matter yeah but you know what tim he kept the indians in cleveland by by fixing up cleveland stadium like oh he I, i'm i'm aware of that um, but ask any clevelander their opinion oh, no. of our model Modell's an awful person um yeah no. but i mean that was still like that's still really shitty of him to be so oh, yeah. shady about oh, yeah. that, it, about the he, sale he stole of that. the team out from us in the middle yeah. of the yeah. night. Like, Heather, like, I agree I, with you 100%. Like, okay. I, I don't know. Like, I get it. Okay, great. Wonderful. He was a philanthropist and he, he did this and he did that and everything like that. But when, like they said in the documentary, how Cleveland sports in Cleveland is a religious thing like that's yep. how deeply people feel it relate to it and apply it to their lives and that it almost becomes like their their compass their moral yeah. compass and so to take a team that the fans and the city have just you know are so all in for and then to just sell it off to the highest bidder with that, and then at the same time, being like, no, 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 we're gonna stay. Like, da, 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 da. that's for me. Like, that kind of like wipes away a little bit of the the good that he does. Yeah, because well, that's next level, like shady shit. Yeah, here here's the kicker about that whole negotiation between Mike White, uh, who was mayor of Cleveland at the time, the city Cleveland City Council, and Modell. Um, Mike White you have to realize didn't negotiate in good faith either. Like this is the same guy who tried to eliminate completely eliminate the entire Cleveland city police department and institute citizen policing because it was costing the citizen, uh, you know, the, the citizens of Cleveland too much money. Um, Mike white is a colossal turd and anybody who voted for him is a turd as well. Um, you know, I just, it, it, the entire, it was just this like total, uh, ball of shit when it came down to that negotiation. And the only thing Mike White did well was ensuring that Cleveland kept like the ownership mm -hmm. and the history of the Browns with them and let Baltimore, you know, when they moved to Baltimore to start their own thing. Yeah, um, and I thought it was interesting too how they had uh, Dave Modell, I guess that was his son. I think that yeah. was the first name, Dave. And Who him did like die in twenty seventeen. Yeah, but I like I thought I I don't know. Of course, they kind of had him there to kind of like back up his dad a little bit, I guess. But like, again, again, at the same time, like for how you guys get about your sports in Cleveland and the fans that I saw in the documentary or whatever, like I just felt like that was the absolute just biggest D move. And then to be holding on to, you know, the championship trophy later on. Yeah. Like no, no. I'm sorry. No. No. Did sorry. anybody did anybody else find it creepy that Modell's kid kept referring to him as Art instead of Dad? Yes. I don't. I don't think I caught that. Oh, he dude. does. Yeah, he just calls him Art. He, he doesn't called call him, him Art Dad. the entire time. Mm -hmm. He's like, do you realize what Art did for the city? He refabbed this horrible stadium. Art did this and Art did that. Art I did that, yeah. That's not that's that. not un, that's not uncommon though in documentaries because um, Greg Gagne did the same thing with his dad on the AWA documentary. Um, 
I still think it's weird, dude. Uh, it's just, it's just not uncommon. Yeah, I, I I think it's weird. Uh, you know because like my mom and I have a an up and down kind of relationship, but she's always going to be mom. And if she ever did anything great enough to be featured in a documentary, she's going to be mom. Uh, so people can get context and why she was a colossal pain in my ass for my entire life. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's a documentary. But I mean, that, that was, I think that's what I really enjoyed most about believe land because like they brought out everybody, you know, when they talked about the Indians, Hargrove, Kenny Lofton, who's still very, Jim Tomey. Yeah. But I mean, you don't understand, like, uh, Kenny Lofton won an award from the Cleveland film festival for a film he, you know, premiered last year, you know, Mm. like he's still, he's still from, you know, in the area. Um, you know, and I, I think what I really enjoyed was when they started talking about the calves and then they went into Ted Stepien's ownership <laughs> and how David Stern had to literally institute a rule called the Stepien rule. Uh, so teams couldn't gut, you know, and trade away, uh, you know, first round Draft picks. picks in multiple years. Yeah. You know, um, and you see what we went through to get those strong teams in the late 80s and early 90s that, uh, you know, had to deal with the Jordan Bulls. Um, and another, I think, really sympathetic uh, personality in it was Craig Elo, who took oh. it like a champ, you know. Uh, you know, he's like, yeah, man, I just, I thought, I got my fingers up. I thought I had it, you know, and then there's Jordan. You know, every, yeah. everybody's, everybody knows that picture of Jordan, like, hitting that shot, and Elo's just got it, kind of got his back turned, and it's just, oh. His fingertips were still on the ball with the, with the clock at zero, by the way. You know, but, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, I, I, this is one of my favorites, not just because I'm a homer, just, one, uh, it was such a well-told story. Um, it was. I, I can say that. It was a well-told story. And for as much as I was rolling my eyes and making noises about it last week, it was a fun watch. So I'll yeah. give you to that, but that's all you get. Oh, well, that's fine. But I mean, it's well, just... Go ahead, Clint. Sorry about that. My man. favorite part of the whole documentary, and I got to see it right, you know, 100 feet in front of me was... I don't know if you guys caught this or not, but the Cavs pulled Ernest Biner onto their championship yeah, parade float. float. Yeah. Yeah. Aw, that's so nice. Yeah. Um, I I love that because Biner just went there, like he just showed up to celebrate with the rest of the city, and you know, I mean, granted, J.R. Smith, of course, didn't have a shirt on, um, you know, and they pulled him on top Why of the float. He? Yeah, because it's J.R. You know. But, like, they pulled him on that float, and, like, if anybody in Cleveland deserved it, okay, and I get it, Bernie's the hometown guy, and, you know, we, you know, those 80s teams had great names, you know, Brian Brennan and Metcalf, you know, um, Felix. Uh, Felix Wright. Felix Wright, thank you. You know, like, they're, uh, uh, Kevin Mack, you know, they, you know, they had all these, these, these names, these, just these, you know, for Cleveland, they were us, but. You know, their personalities that we, you know, we know because they, they were us. Yep. You know, if anybody deserved it, though, it was Ernest fucking Biner. Like, that guy worked his ass off. You know, he like like Clint said, he's an East Carolina guy. And at the time, they were what a, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Clint, but that was a D2 school when he got drafted. Uh, some some might still consider it that, but yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um you know, but like it was a Division two school. Like the guy had no business playing in the fucking NFL. Uh, 
and he had a great career, you know, an outstanding career. And for years, you know, and, and, you know, Cleveland, we, we love our guys, you know, through thick and thin, no matter what, but there are Cleveland fans that still give him shit about it. And it's like, dude, they did forget. He put up 200 total yards in that game. Uh, he, he moved the chains when it needed to be moved. Well, he he also, if you look at the fumble, Mike Babb completely missed a block. Yeah. You know, I I mean, mean, no, no play is all on one player. No, I mean, honestly, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. If the Browns defense would have played a little better, it wouldn't have put the fucking Browns offense in a position where they had to score at that time. You know, so it's just, you know, Heather looked, looked like she had something. No, I'm I'm your your dad. I'm sorry. I missed that. My dad? No, Clint's dad. He said oh, no, my dad no, missed. Mike no, Mike Bab. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I swear <laughs> to god, I heard my dad and that's why I was like, wait, what? No, he was at I... home cussing. Oh, okay. Okay, <laughs> yeah. that's fine. Okay. Fun fact though about that documentary, I I'm drawing a blank on the dude's name. The dude who looks like he should uh be behind the counter of a pawn shop. Um, oh, yeah. He had his hair slicked back. Yeah. 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 Oh, Rizzo. Rizzo. Yeah, Rizzo. Yeah, Rizzo. Um, yeah, that was his name. My no mom graduated with him. Are you serious? Right. Yeah. Did I mean, he look that... like that then? Yes. Probably, yeah. I'm probably, yeah I probably I've, known, I've known Tony for years. Yeah. I was going to say, if he's from Cleveland, he probably did. So. I mean, yeah, that... my, my mom went to high school and graduated with him. So... Yeah. That that that's just a fun little fact. But I think that was that was the strength of the entire thing. You didn't have to be a Cleveland fan. You didn't have to know anything about it. But look at everybody that got involved in it. Like you had the sportscasters that have been there for how fucking long, Clint? Like Rizzo's been like he's essentially a Cleveland fucking uh, cornerstone at this point. He's been involved in Cleveland sports so long. He's uh, hated. Yeah, you know. Uh, Not as much as Grossy, but. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, Grossy's Grossi the same way. Jim Donovan was on there, you know, and, and they bring out all the former athletes. You know, I, I really appreciated how Evan Hargrove on there as a guy who played on some bad Indians teams and then came back to manage uh, what could be arguably the height of Indians baseball at this point. Yeah, you know? I, I love what he said about, you know, people ask him when he'll get over game seven in 97. And he's like, when it happens, I'll let you know. Yeah. I mean, dude, I stayed home from school for the next two days after game seven. I didn't go to school. Well, see, what's funny is whenever they were talking about the 95 game uh, or the 95 series, I, re- <laughs> I was cooking dinner and I looked over at James and I was like, yeah, that's when I was a really big Braves fan. And I don't know if I should bring that up. <laughs> so I am uh, that that game was nearly or that team was 25 years ago. And to this day, I can still recite the starting lineup. I'm sure the, you can. For the Indians, the 95 Same. Indians. Like I said, um, we didn't. Well, I mean, like in Louisiana, like we didn't have a pro sports team. Like a, yeah, a, everybody a pro ba- baseball team. So, yeah. So you either. No, no, no. You either went for Atlanta or you went for the Astros. Yeah. Uh, okay. You went one. And so uh, my grandfather was always a Cubbies fan. And he was a Braves fan. So that's what we always watched. So, yeah, Louisiana is one of those weird spots. So, I'm so surprised that we don't have a baseball team because it's such a, it is a, it's a big deal in Louisiana. Yeah. But the, the issue is, is, uh, 
infrastructure and is, yeah is, we can't listen we listen we we just have enough money for football okay that's it yeah we know yeah. what our limitations are we have we have enough funding for football and for mardi gras and that's it yeah. <laughs> but i mean i mean for me like this uh you know the believe land 30 for 30 out of all the ones we've watched um and i you know i i've watched these things since they started um like it, it for cinematography and like story believe land is probably the best one i've watched mm-hmm um, it was good. I did enjoy it. It was. It was. I thought that the story was told very well. Yeah, because you didn't just get the sports aspect. You you got the entire thing. And I, the I, I did of it. You know. Yeah, I, I did like how they did put a lot of emphasis on the actual people of yeah. Cleveland, and not so much these sports greats and or these teams or. Or you know the quote unquote curse, like it just I, I loved the how they really wanted the people of Cleveland to be the stars of it, and um, so yeah, I did. It, despite myself, I actually very much enjoyed <laughs> I it. I mean, but that's the thing, Heather, is we are like, uh, it, you know, it's just like the Saints. I mean, I and I'm gonna the Saints dealt with just horrible teams for. A long time. 30, 30, I did. I did. I was, years. You know. Yeah, I did. I I was able to draw a lot of similarities to it, of where you know it it is kind of this um, multi generational thing that it it just becomes this culture. Yeah. And, oh yeah. My kids are going to be Cleveland fans. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Clint. What about you, man? You got kids? Um. Well. No. Okay. Wait, but I, if, <laughs> If you have children, if you have children, they're going to they're going to be Cleveland fans as well as I, you know, I take it. I mean, I'm going to let them go their own way, but yeah. Oh, no. no. I've not done that. (laughs) You you sweet, naive summer child. No. So, so Clint, where were you when uh, the Cavs won? I was in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I was watching at the apartment that I was at and um I remember going to Dick's Sporting Goods that night at midnight because they were getting a shipment of hats and T-shirts. <laughs> the hat that you're wearing right now? Yep. Yep. I was uh, at work. At, yep. We at, were texting back and forth yeah, that I w- night. I was at the Pure Later plant in Fayetteville, Clint. I was working security there. I was working the late night, the, the third shift, and I was watching the game on my phone, and I was the only guard on premises. And shift changed happened, and these guys would not bring their their eye pro out, you know, their their goggles. So they were like, "Hey, man, can I get a new set of goggles?" And typically, I would give it to them, but by regulation, they're supposed to have their their supervisor sign off on it. And uh, I probably was responsible for a million dollars in lost wages for Pure later that night because I I was watching my phone, told them no, go get your supervisor's signature, and then come back, and then I'll get to you while watching the game. In my little guard shack. So, um, yeah. when they, when they won, I started screaming hysterically. Um, probably cried a little bit. Oh, I definitely did. I was oh, yeah, watching I at the most appropriate Fayetteville location. I was with my buddy Jason. We were watching at Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, I mean, if you know that place, I mean, B Dubs is from Cleveland or Northeast Ohio originally. Yeah, uh, they make shit food, but yeah, they're from Northeast Ohio. Okay. Yeah, but Jason and I watched it. Mac, I think you joined us like five minutes after the I buzzer. Did. I did. Um, no, it wasn't five. It was about a half hour because I got relieved 
Mm. Uh, five, five minutes after that, the buzzer went off, and I told you I'll be right there, and I showed up in uniform. <laughs> I was drunk. Yeah, and my boss was there. So he came out and was like, bro, you got to lose your top. And I had, like, a wife beater or some shit on. So of I course like, you did. Of bro, course. I wouldn't expect anything Heather, more from you. I don't wear wife beaters, but it was under a fucking wool top. So okay. I was like, all right, I got to get rid of this shit. So I took my top off, and I'm sitting there in a wife beater. And uh, my boss gave me one of his, like, he was wearing three T-shirts because that's what Ronald did. Uh, he gave me one of his T-shirts, and he was, like, 6'4", like, 250. So I was like wearing a dress, but I didn't give a shit at the time. So, no. See, I stripped down too, but I stripped down for a different reason. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, now one thing that I did where I was like, what the fuck are y'all doing? And I can't, don't even remember the year. So you guys are going to have to help me with that. We'll, we'll know. I know you will. Um, but it was the Indians and when they were like bringing out already doing like the world Seven. 97 okay yeah i remember because whenever I, I got to that part and i was just like what the fuck are you doing well, no, like Heather, even i know yeah, wait, 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 wait. but here's the thing even i know that baseball is a like obnoxiously yeah. superstitious sport mm -hmm. and so i was just like what the fuck are you doing? This no, is I mean, not okay. Heather, that's the thing. In the documentary, Jim Donovan talked about it, and he said that it wasn't his, you know, it wasn't Dick Jacobs' decision. That was the league. That was Bud Selig sending the shit down to the Indians' Jesus locker room. Christ. Fun fact. Fun fact for you. Oh, I love when, that. When I interviewed Bob Costas back in 2014, he told me the most memorable thing he remembers as a broadcast was uh, game six of the 86 World Series. They were basically getting the Red Sox locker room, exact same thing, with the champagne, the the Drake, uh, the um, the plastic on the lockers. And he was trying to think, oh, wow, this is going to be the first ever broadcast interview of a Red Sox World Championship. What do I say? And then as soon as the ball went through Buckner's legs, he said, they had that locker room completely cleared out in two yeah. minutes. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I mean, Clint, that's also the funny thing, though. Uh, I, I feel a lot of uh, parallels here with our Cleveland story. People shit on Buckner, but the Red Sox still shit the bed in game seven. Yeah, like, they got cranked. Yeah, that wasn't Buckner's fault. Okay, that wasn't fucking Buckner's fault. They could have just played better baseball in game seven. And like you said, we would have had our first broadcast interview with the World Series champion in 86 instead of, uh, what was it, 04? 2004, yep. Yeah. yeah. You know, so. But, yeah, I mean, dude, I, I just, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a homer. I'm not going to fucking, mm -hmm. you know, lie about it. But th for me, this is, uh, you know, Believe Land was a cathartic watch for me. Um, and I was with Clint. I watched it the first time around, and then they fucking, you know, edited in the uh, you know the Cleveland stuff, you know the 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 Cavs championship stuff, uh, you know, and for me it wasn't just Biner going on that float. You know, Stepe was out there, you know, with mm. his UFC championship belt. Like this was a 2016 was Cleveland's fucking year. That was our year. Yeah, we were on the map finally. People actually gave a shit, you know, and uh, you know I, I you know I, you guys know I love the NBA and 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 I, you know so many guys are like you know. You know, fuck the Cavs. You know, you went to how many finals in a row? You got fucking boat raced by the Golden State Warriors. But you know what? 
we were down three to one and came back and won a championship when no one yes, else we did. did. So yes, fuck we yourself. Did. And I will take that to my grave. I will do it. Good, good for you. Good because for you. And no, Heather. Here's here's my favorite part. I got Knicks fans try and tell, talk shit to me, and I'm like, bro, oh, you Jesus Christ, you haven't won shit since Phil Jackson played for the Knicks. Shut listen, up. I don't. You know? Listen, I know about as much about the Knicks, or really just the NBA in general, about as much as I know about gardening. And I've already killed two bonsai trees, <laughs> so like even I know that like that's like ooh. yeah. You know, but I mean, Clint, what, I mean, honestly, I'm going to ask this question. Uh, and Heather, this isn't a, just a Cleveland only fan, but like a, a state specific, no, a state specific fandom. Like for me and Tim and Clint, what, like, what, what is your favorite Cleveland's, you know, your favorite Cleveland memory? And Heather, you can drop what your favorite fucking Louisiana sports memory is after we're all done. How about that? Uh, no, it's okay. Guess first because. Yes, but Clint, what, what's your not favorite? the Heather show. What but... is, what is. Your time it is favorite Fine, Cleveland sports. That's what I want to know. Favorite Cleveland sports memory. Well, I mean, the easiest answer is June nineteenth of twenty sixteen. But it wasn't just for the win. Um, I'm going to get more nostalgic here. When I became a broadcaster, one of the people that gave me tips and gave me advice over the years, uh, listening to him call that game. Um, I'm talking about um, dear friend of mine, Fred McLeod. His call at the end of the game seven, um, you know, and you know, Heather, you don't know this, but uh, Fred passed away in June or uh, September of last year, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but him giving that call where he is standing up and is in tears on that broadcast that is my favorite memory, it is Fred McLeod's call of the final minute of game seven. All right, Tim, go ahead. What's yours? I mean, we, we, don't, we, don't, we as Cleveland fans don't have a lot. Um, I think the one that stands out most in my mind besides June 19, 2016, is I still remember where I was. And it seems like such a small thing. Obviously, it's a milestone. But I remember where I was when Eddie Murray got number 3,000. Uh, in Minnesota. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But June 30, I believe it was June 30th, 1995. Was. Yep. Um, I was downtown for the annual Cleveland Orchestra 4th of July concert. And every time that a slider was there, the uh, the banner counting the, the hits was there. And every time, it didn't matter if it was mid-song. Every time that... Eddie Murray came to the plate, the orchestra stopped and the, the projectors changed to the game and we watched it. I'm going to throw in a really quick, because I picked the easy one. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to throw in a quick, no, I'm going to throw in a quick honorable mention. January of 1990 Cleveland versus Buffalo in the 89 divisional playoffs. My favorite football player of all time, Clay Matthews picking off Jim Kelly on the goal line to put the Browns in the AFC championship game. Uh, Kelly, if he hit, throws the pass to Thurman Thomas, Buffalo beats us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, honestly, um, if I have a gripe about the entire uh, documentary before you go into this, it's Clay wasn't there. You know, like yeah. I, I, Clay Matthews spent what, uh, Clay, correct me if I'm wrong, what, 17 years playing the Browns uniform? 
16 with the Browns and a year with the Falcons. Okay, 16 with the Browns, a year with the Falcons. So thank you. Uh, for me, my favorite Cleveland sports memory, uh, you know, out of all of them, um, was when LeBron got drafted. I'm not going to lie about mm. it. Um, I'm a NBA draft junkie. Uh, when I was a kid, I filled up notebooks with, uh, you know, how the first and second rounds went. But, you know, we that was our guy. And I knew that was going to be our guy. And he was going to do a good thing for us. So, uh, you know, I wasn't a jersey burner. But I was in Afghanistan when he left the first time. And I was really butthurt. Uh, I was in Kuwait when he got drafted. Yeah, see, so... <laughs> Uh, a little bit of correlation there. I was but, still uh, in high school, I think, when he got drafted, because that was what, 03? Yep, June of 03. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, uh, I had just finished my sophomore year of high school. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm the baby here. I remember it because I just got out of phase two of the Q course and I had a two week break. So, <laughs> um, but Heather, hmm. since you're playing with your puppy, what is your favorite Louisiana sports memory? Oh, Jesus. Um, the first one that comes to mind is being in... Oh, let me put him down for a second. Um, is being in New Orleans on January 7th of 2008 when my LSU Tigers beat your Ohio State Buckeyes for the national championship... And there are a day, like, there's parts of that day that come in, and then there's parts of that day that go out, <laughs> because I was absolutely shit-faced by, like, 11.30 in the morning. <laughs> and I had to sober up over a plate of red beans and rice in the French Quarter. How how very New Orleans of you, Miss. Oh uh, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> like, why not? And I remember we, uh, my buddy, my my very best friend, uh, Jake, uh, actually who officiated my wedding. Um, we went to a friend of ours like workplace party that they were, but I we, for reals we were like crashing it. Uh, because <laughs> another friend of ours, uh, his cousin played for the team, Andrew Whitworth, uh, Whitmore, Whitworth, one of those two. Anyways, he played for the team that was playing. And so we kind of <laughs> snuck into like this hoity law firm's party and we're partying there for a bit. And then they like second lined into the dome to start the game and I remember just watching the game in this little like hole in the wall bar off of French Court, uh, off of the French Quarter, and then just being a part of the madness afterwards. Hey, this Heather, your boy Andrew Whitworth. All right, yeah. your boy. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, is still currently playing. He plays for the Rams right now. Well, there uh, he is. With the He's ugliest jerseys in football. Uh, hold <laughs> we on. didn't even talk Listen, about that's that. That's not either here nor there. He can't control that. Okay. Oh, hey, Clint, he's as bald as I'm supposed to be because I'm too lazy to shave my head. Um, he looks like he can grow a strong beard, but he's a four time fucking pro bowler. Right. Two time first team all pro, second team all pro, built for tough offensive lineman of the year in 2018 as like a 98 year old. Mm -hmm. A BCS yeah. national champion. 
Yeah, dude, the guy knows it. Like he's he he's, does. Yeah, he does. Uh, but yeah, because I was actually, uh, re- like I said, I was I was good friends with his like first cousin, um, and so who lived in my really really small uh, hometown. So that's like my first like favorite Louisiana memory. Um, my second. Um, and it's a tie because I can't decide on the importance of them. One is when the Saints won their only Super Bowl because of my mom, because she's such a huge Saints fan. And I had to, because I promised her that if the Saints ever won a Super Bowl, that I would publicly apologize to her for all of the years of jokes and, <laughs> and everything. And I did. I did. I actually made my own bag head and I made like this whole like Facebook post about it, you know, apologizing to her, uh, which she got a huge kick out of. Um, and the second one is, is my LSU Tigers this year, not winning the national championship, but the SEC championship. Yeah. Or, no, 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 not even that. Not even that. Not, no, 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 not that one. Not the one against Georgia. The one against Oklahoma. The semifinals. Mm. Okay. That yeah. game. Where they put on a clinical against yeah. Oklahoma. I mean, I think we can all agree that, like, if Believe Land doesn't trigger your love of your local mm-hmm. team, you're mm-hmm. an awful person. You are a horrible person. Um, it definitely I- does make you remember, like, being a fan in the bad times. Yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, like... People don't realize how rough it is being a Cleveland fan or an, or an Ohio fan sometimes. I got you, a better idea. I will say I did I, get a better idea. I mean, Heather, you know, Tim talked about the Buckeyes, but the Buckeyes during this time, they weren't that great either. We had fucking Cooper who couldn't <laughs> win a game against Michigan to save his fucking life, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and just wasted good teams. Wasted. No, let's go back to 2007, the almost year. Yeah, I mean, fuck. You dude. had... You had Ohio State losing in football and basketball to Florida. You had the Columbus Arena football team lose the championship. The Cavs get swept in the NBA Finals. The Indians blow a 3-1 to series lead against the Red Sox in the ALCS. And the Browns are a push call out of bounds away from going to the playoffs on a year they yeah. went 10-6. and six. Yeah. I mean, dude, uh, 07 was awful. I was in – that was my 15-month deployment to Afghanistan, Clint, so – I, I consider Sorry. myself very lucky <laughs> to be a Louisiana fan to only have football and baseball. All right, and, and sometimes basketball, but not really. Yeah. Well, before before we close it up tonight, let's just go around real quick. Clint, any last thoughts on Beliefland? Um, I watch it once. I watch it every couple of months. Yes, Clint. I'm the really? same way. Really? That many? Oh, yes. Yes. You really? Haven't Heather, you learned by watching this documentary that we are gluttons for punishment? <laughs> Heather, I bought it on DVD. I have when I need a, what? When yes. I need a pick-me-up, Heather, I go back and I watch just the final minute of Game 7. The block and the shot. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You back your final thoughts. Um, I... You guys know I've I've watched uh, the 30 for 30s to, supple, you know, do my supplemental episodes to sports podcast um and and even like uh you know i watched rick flair which i wasn't the biggest fan of but 
you know, it's not just the sports for me. It's it's the the story. It's the cinematography. It's everything. Um, and again, like I said, I'm a homer, but nothing beats the story of Believe Land. Nothing. Yeah. Um, I love Rick Slayer, by the way. Oh, dude! I after that, after watching that thirty for thirty, Clint, I do too. Okay, and I was a, I was a fucking WWF homer. Like I could not stand Ric Flair growing up, and that was my, you know, I suddenly have a lot of uh, sympathy for the man. But you when know, I met when I met him in twenty seventeen, we were talking about the Cavs championship because he is a huge LeBron fan. I'm sorry. How many humble brags are you going to just throw into this episode? Because Clint like, has met people. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. But like for me, like I'm still man, waiting for him to get us uh dude from the sandlot as a guest on our show. <laughs> Tommy doesn't return my texts every day. Oh, are you talking about squints? Oh, uh, I have no smalls. Too. Oh, smalls. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like for me, like Believe Land meshes everything. A good story, good cinematography, just it, it's everything. And um and the only thing that beats Believe Land for thirty, you know, thirty for thirty in my eyes is Small Potatoes. That's it. Uh, there hasn't been a better thirty for thirty than Believe Land, other than Small Potatoes. And uh, Small Potatoes, I, I want, I want the thirty for thirty that beats that, because yeah. nothing comes close to it right now. Like thir- uh, Small Potatoes, it's amazing. But uh, go ahead, Heather. What, what's your takeaway? Um, well, like I said, I went into it very begrudgingly. Just because I knew, just because I knew it was important to you two, so that's that's part of mostly the reason why. Um, but I did actually very much enjoy it. I did enjoy the storytelling of it, and like I said earlier, like I did appreciate how much focus was put on the people of Cleveland and how um, just kind of how you guys have always just been this very like pull yourselves up by your bootstraps and apply that to everything um and i did very much appreciate and and like i said you know i could um relate to having not great teams for a really long time but still having this blazing passionate like almost reverence towards the teams um but the, yeah, the storytelling was really great. I love. I, I did really love that um, from it. Um, uh, doesn't mean that you guys are going to get any more sympathy out of me for it. But well, Heather, we wouldn't expect that. Uh, exactly, I know exactly what kind of friend would it. I be. Well, I'm on top of that. You're from Louisiana. All you have are the Saints and the the Bayou Bengals, and you have nothing else. So exactly, there's not much else. Yeah, like no, I, I at it. least you guys have like a couple more teams on top of that. So, um, but I did enjoy it. I did. I, I actually, it, in spite of myself, I did enjoy it. I, I thought it was very informative and I did learn something about you two, even though I didn't really care to learn any more about you, but here we are. Yeah. I, I loved that documentary because it was very reflective of who I am as a person. Um, it may it, yes you 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 and Mac make so much more sense now. You do. <laughs> um, well, thank I you. Finally, understanding born, me, goddamn it! You know, <laughs> I was born between the drive and the fumble, and mm. if that doesn't sum up, you know, my sports life as a fan, all that tells me, Tim, is that you were born in between very depressing parts of your life, and that's not good, man. That's not yeah, 
Uh, <laughs> Believe Lind is always is probably always going to be my favorite documentary um, just because of the relation. I love every moment of that documentary. Uh, and, and hopefully we will, hopefully, you know, 2016 is not the only championship I see in major sports, um, but we'll see there. Just know I'm going to remind you of every year that you don't. So yeah. Yep. Clint, if anybody, if our listeners want to learn more about you, where they can, where can they find you? Um, local post office. No, uh, katymanews.com. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us. That it will wrap it up for this week's episode of Hometown Crowd. Be sure to follow us on all social media at Hometown Crowd. You can get in on the conversation at our Hometown Crowd podcast group, facebook.com slash group slash Hometown Crowd pod. As always, subscribe on your favorite podcast source. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review and we will read it on the show. For Mac and Heather, I'm Tim saying thank you to Clint and thank you for cheering with the Hometown Crowd. Thank you so much. And Everybody also have too, a good night. Yes, and also, too, too. Uh, we are no longer saying that you are cruising for a bruising. You are now asking for a basket. <laughs> <laughs>